Miss Pickerel Goes to the Arctic. Chapter 4. Model X-24. Two days later, on the train going to the state capitol, Miss Pickerel still hadn't made up her mind what to get for her cow's birthday. She had to decide on something by the time the train arrived because the only reason she was making the trip was to get her cow a present. Miss Pickerel always liked to take a little snack along with her when she was traveling. She had just opened her box of lunch and had just spread a white linen napkin on the red plush seat beside her when the train entered a tunnel. When the train came out of the tunnel, Miss Pickerel was embarrassed to find that she was staring straight into the dark brown eyes of the man sitting opposite her. He had boarded the train an hour ago at the last stop. Would you care for a piece of fried chicken? She asked, holding out a drumstick wrapped in wax paper. The man shook his head, lowered his gaze, and then resumed the position he had occupied for the past hour. Staring glumly out the window, his arms on the window sill and his chin supported by the palm of his hand. Mr. Estecott came down the aisle with the last volume of the encyclopedia, encyclopedia under his arm. How about you, Mr. Estecott? Miss Pickerel asked as he stopped beside her seat. Thank you, Miss Pickerel, the conductor said. I don't mind if I do. He sat down in the empty seat beside the man in the brown suit, who was still staring out of the window. Your cow is well? Miss Pickerel handed him a drumstick. My cow is well now, she said, but I worry about her when I think of next winter. If I could just know whether there is going to be a blizzard, then I could make some plans for her. I could arrange. Miss Pickerel stopped because, at the word blizzard, the man in the brown suit had suddenly come to life. He turned away from the window and looked directly at Miss Pickerel with his deep brown eyes. Allow me, he said, removing his wallet from inside his pocket of his coat, to introduce myself. He took a card from his wallet, stood up, and handed the card to Miss Pickerel. The card read, Mobile Homes. Bellingham Busby, sales engineer. Are you sure you won't change your mind about the fried chicken, Mr. Busby? Miss Pickerel asked when she had read the card. There's plenty more here in my box, or perhaps a piece of solid chocolate layer cake. No, no, Mr. Busby said impatiently. I'm too unhappy to eat. He gave another of his cards to Mr. Estecott, who promptly stuck it into the encyclopedia for a bookmark. Mr. Busby sat down again. "'Excuse me,' said Mr. Estacott. "'I have to go and announce the next stop.' Miss Pickerel looked again at the card in her hand. "'Just what are mobile homes?' she asked. Mr. Busby crossed his legs and leaned back in his seat. "'Mobile homes,' he said, "'is the modern-day term for what used to be called trailers.' Our factory is in the state capital, and I'm... Oh, I know all about trailers, Miss Pickerel said. I have one myself. It's a little red wooden trailer with a piece of canvas over the top of it to keep... From what you say, said Mr. Busby, I would gather that there is particularly no resemblance at all between your trailer and the trailers that my company manufactures. The trailers manufactured by mobile homes are to live in. In any part of the world, under any conditions, we even make trailers to order if a person has special requirements. 
I'm the company's sales. I notice here on your card, Miss Pickerel said, that you are a sales engineer. I suppose that means that you are partly a salesman and partly an engineer. I prefer, Mr. Busby rather stiffly said, to think of myself as both a salesman and an engineer. In the modern day world, it is not enough for a salesman to be able to sell things. He also has to be able to operate them. Put me down in any part of the world, any part at all, with one of our mobile homes, even if it was especially manufactured, I'd be able to operate it. That's what it means to be a sales engineer. That's why I was capable of demonstrating our new model home, Snowmobile, to an expedition that's going to the Arctic regions to study weather conditions. Miss Pickerel remembered about Foster's conversation on Dwight and Rosemary's shortwave radio the night before last. This was probably the same expedition that Foster wanted to use his plane for. I was supposed to go with them, Mr. Busby said, and take Model X-24 along. Model X-24? It's our very latest model snowmobile. A snowmobile is sort of a combination trailer and tractor, built and equipped in such a way that people can travel in it quite comfortably in all sorts of winter conditions. Model X-24 is a three-axle vehicle with two skis in front instead of a front wheels. The two back wheels on each side have a revolving tread that runs around both of them. So, it is just as if the snowmobile carried its own road along with it. Miss Pickerel was trying to picture what a snowmobile looked like from Mr. Busby's description, but she wasn't quite sure she understood. But they couldn't wait for me, Mr. Busby said sadly. I didn't even get a chance to tell them about the advantages of the Model X-24. I had an appointment to see them at 10 o'clock this morning, but they had to leave very early in the morning because they were afraid the weather was going to deteriorate if they waited any longer. Miss Pickerel hoped that Foster had been able to get his plane ready in time to take the expedition to the Arctic. What are some of the advantages of the Model X-24? Miss Pickerel wanted to know. For one thing, Mr. Busby said, it's big enough so that they could put their weather instruments into it and drive over the ice and snow to wherever they wanted to make the observations. There is a shortwave radio in it too and a heater that runs on batteries so that even if they get caught in an Arctic storm, they could still be snug and warm. An idea was forming in the back of Miss Pickerel's mind. I feel very badly about it, Mr. Busby said. I don't know anybody else to try to sell the Model X-24 to, except possibly one person I've heard about. Mr. Busby, Miss Pickerel sat straight up and looked right at Mr. Busby. You've just given me a wonderful idea. I wonder if your snowmobile could be adapted so that a cow could be comfortable in it. It's a strange thing you should ask that, said Mr. Busby, on account of this person I just mentioned. I understand that there's a person who lives on a farm near Square Toe City, who has a cow she's very fond of, and it's just possible that she might... That person is not you, Mr. Busby looked surprised. Are you sure? Well, of course I'm sure, Miss Pickerel said. Aren't you sure you're Mr. Busby? 
I almost wish I weren't, Mr. Busby said, unless I can sell the Model X-24. It will spoil my sales record. According to my information, this party with the cow, please don't call me a party, said Miss Pickerel. My name is Miss Pickerel. According to my information, this person, this Miss Pickerel, is so devoted to her cow that she never goes anywhere unless the cow goes too. That, said Miss Pickerel, was before my oldest niece and my oldest nephew came to spend the summer with me. They're very reliable and my cow likes them. So I never have the slightest hesitation about leaving her in their care when it's necessary. I see, said Mr. Busby. He uncrossed his legs and leaned forward. Now, what you need, Miss Pickerel, for your pet that you are so fond of is a trailer. My cow already has a trailer, Miss Pickerel said. However, I've just been thinking. Suppose we should have a severe winter again next year, Mr. Busby said. Suppose there should be a blizzard. I know, said Miss Pickerel. I've been worrying about that myself. I guess if we had a blizzard next year, said Mr. Busby, you'd be pretty glad if you had one of our snowmobiles for your cow. I could easily adapt it for her use. Take our model X-24. What does the X stand for? asked Miss Pickerel. X means experimental, said Mr. Busby. X is always used on a model that is still being tested. Then I wouldn't be interested, said Miss Pickerel. Not at all. I wouldn't care to ask my cow to ride in a vehicle that was an experiment. Think something might happen. You don't understand, said Mr. Busby. Model X-24 has been thoroughly tested to stand up under any winter conditions and we are likely to have in this part of the world. All the X means is that it hasn't been completely tested for the Arctic conditions. Could it be delivered by Friday? Miss Pickerel asked. Unless you'd like to have it stored for a year at the factory, said Mr. Busby, until next winter. It's all ready to be sent to the Arctic. There's even a cargo parachute attached to the pallet. A pallet is a strong, lightweight platform that things are put on to make them easier to handle when they are being shipped or moved or dropped from a plane. Miss Pickerel clapped her hands together. Drop it by parachute in the middle of my cow's pasture, she said. That way it will be a real birthday surprise for her. Mr. Busby scratched his chin. I'll see what I can do, he said. And now I've sold the snowmobile and won't have to spoil my sales record. My appetite seems to have improved. Perhaps, if you still have some left, I might eat a bit of fried chicken. Yes, of course, said Miss Pickerel, passing him a piece. When Mr. Estecott came down the aisle to get some cake, Miss Pickerel told him what had happened. I can just hardly wait for Friday, she said. I think Friday is going to be the very nicest birthday my cow has ever had. It would have surprised Miss Pickerel very much if she had known what was going to happen. If she had known that by that time Friday arrived, she would be far, far away from Square Toe City and her cow. Chapter 5 Disaster in the Arctic When Miss Pickerel returned to Square Toe City, Dwight was waiting for her at the railroad station. He had promised to drive Miss Pickerel's car and meet the train. 
On the way home, Miss Pickerel told Dwight about the snowmobile she had bought for her cow's birthday present, and Dwight commented on how well her pail of flowers was developing. Now that she had put it inside the house, right under a light bulb that was on most of the time, Rosemary had supper all ready for them when they arrived. It wasn't until Tuesday that Miss Pickerel found out that Foster hadn't been able to get his plane ready in time to take the weather expedition to the far north. He came out to Miss Pickerel's farm Tuesday night to return the last volume of her encyclopedia, which Mr. Estecott had finally finished. Foster seemed so unhappy and discouraged that Miss Pickerel didn't question him. All he said was that the expedition had to leave before he had his plane quite ready. They had had to take a different plane piloted by another pilot. Then he quickly changed the subject, as if the disappointment was too painful to think about any more. There's only one thing about it, he said. Now that I've got my plane in shape again, several people have wanted to hire my services. And he told Miss Pickerel that he had been engaged by Mr. Busby to drop the snowmobile in her cow's pasture on Friday. I've had a lot of experience dropping cargo, he said, when I was a bush pilot. On Wednesday came the news that shocked the whole world. The weather expedition plane was lost. Somewhere in the vast reaches of the Arctic, the weather plane was down. Whether it had landed safely, whether there was any survivors, no one knew. An Arctic air base had picked up a radio message from the plane an hour after it had stopped there to refuel. It was a routine message. No trouble had been indicated. But from that moment on, there had been no word. All over that part of the Arctic, rescue planes were searching. But the area had to be covered was vast. When last heard from, the plane had an almost fully supply of gasoline. It might have come down almost immediately, or it might have gone on for hours until its fuel was exhausted. If there had been trouble, the pilot might have changed course. The plane might have gone in any direction. Like many other amateur radio operators, Dwight and Rosemary, between them, manned their shortwave radio station all night long. Although such a thing was much more likely to happen in the winter, they explained to Miss Pickerel that sometimes freakish atmospheric conditions made direct radio contact in the Arctic impossible. And sometimes during these conditions, a local broadcast Arctic radio message had been picked up long distances away. But this time, whether Dwight nor but this time, neither Dwight nor Rosemary nor any other radio operator anywhere in the world picked up any distress signal from the Arctic. There was no word of the missing plane. And all this time, Miss Pickerel kept wishing there was something she herself could do to help. On Thursday morning, Foster called Miss Pickerel from the Square Toe City Airport. He asked her permission to drop the snowmobile in her cow's pasture right away instead of waiting until Friday. I must go, he said. I know the part of the Arctic well, and I want to go and take part in the search. The snowmobile is already loaded in my plane. As soon as I drop it, and as soon as I find someone to go along as an observer, I'm leaving for the north. I hope I'll be able to find an observer. It's always better if two people are looking. 
Without a moment's hesitation, Miss Pickerel said, I'll go. I'll be your observer. Can you be ready to leave right away? As soon as I drop your snowmobile? Wouldn't it be useful for rescue operations? Miss Pickerel asked. If we should find the missing plane? It might, said Foster. Then I'll meet you at the airport just as soon as Dwight can drive me there, said Miss Pickerel. She hated to ask Dwight to do it, especially since he had so little sleep the night before. But Miss Pickerel told them of her conversation with Foster. Both he and Rosemary agreed instantly that she should go. While Miss Pickerel was saying a hasty farewell to her cow and trying to explain about why she wouldn't be there for the cow's birthday, Rosemary got together the things she thought Miss Pickerel would need in the Arctic and rolled them up inside her own Girl Scout sleeping bag. Dwight put the pack in the back seat of the automobile. At the very last minute, Miss Pickerel decided to take her black umbrella. With the sun shining 24 hours a day at the North Pole, it might be convenient to have it for shade. Chapter 6 Miss Pickerel Goes to the Rescue Miss Pickerel was surprised to find Mr. Busby waiting for her at the airport. As soon as Dwight stopped the car, Mr. Busby came hurrying towards them. He seemed like a different person from the one Miss Pickerel had met on the train a few days ago. For the first time, Miss Pickerel noticed his forceful-looking jaw. There was something about his voice when he spoke that made him seem like a person who was accustomed to being in authority. Also, he acted like a person who was used to making quick decisions. Now then, he said, after he and Dwight had been introduced, Foster's plane is right over there. And here's exactly what we're going to do. No, we aren't, Miss Pickerel said. If you're talking about dropping the snowmobile in my cow's pasture, Foster told me all about it, Mr. Busby said. I admire your spirit, Miss Pickerel. We're almost ready to start. You're going to? Have you forgotten, Mr. Busby said, that I'm a sales engineer? When I sell a product, I consider it part of my responsibilities to see that the customer learns how to use it. Wherever the customer goes, I go too. I'm at home in any part of the world. Foster came up to them. He took Miss Pickerel's pack from Dwight's hand. Any time you are ready, he said, everything is in order and ready to go. Miss Pickerel said goodbye to Dwight and promised to send him and Rosemary a shortwave radio message if she got a chance. Then she and Foster and Mr. Busby walked to the plane. I hope you aren't expecting too much in the way of luxury, Miss Pickerel, Foster said. My plane, uh, as you can see, is designed more for utility than for comfort. Foster was certainly right about that. The inside was one large compartment with the pilot's seat at the front where the windows were. The back was all enclosed, but Miss Pickerel could make out a huge tractor-like vehicle, almost as big as a trailer, lashed to a narrow metal platform. Miss Pickerel supposed this metal platform was the pallet Mr. Busby had mentioned. You and I will take these two seats in the middle, Mr. Busby said to her. The seats had their backs to the outside walls of the plane and were facing each other. Miss Pickerel had never ridden sideways in an airplane before. It was a novel sensation. Also, it seemed strange not to be able to look out. 
In a cargo plane, Mr. Busby said, the cargo comes first. Passenger seats have to be fitted in where they can. Foster took his place and began to warm up the engines. They were noisy, and also, after the plane got into the air, the ride was a bit bumpy. Look, Foster shouted a few moments later and motioned to them to come forward. Forevermore, Miss Pickerel said, as she looked down and recognized that they were flying right over her own farm. She saw her cow in one corner of the pasture and Rosemary waving to them from the back steps. It made her homesick for just a moment until she remembered her until she reminded herself of the purpose of their trip, how they were hoping to be able to help and rescue the poor men who had been lost in the Arctic. When they were back at their seats, Mr. Busby said, We aren't going to waste any time stopping until we have to stop for fuel. And that won't be for a long time yet because Foster had extra fuel tanks attached to our wings to increase our range. Won't Foster get sleepy, though? Miss Pickerel asked. When he does, said Mr. Busby, I'll take over the controls. In addition to being a sales engineer, I also am a pilot. Miss Pickerel leaned back in her seat and dozed off. She slept fitfully. She kept waking up. She had the feeling she had done something foolish. But each time before she could quite figure out what it was, she went to sleep again. Finally, she came awake suddenly. She knew that it was that... Finally, she came awake suddenly. She knew what it was that had been worrying her. Mr. Busby, she said, I've been terribly stupid. I offered to bring my snowmobile to the Arctic, but it's summer. Even in the Arctic, it's summer, and the sun will be shining 24 hours a day. What good will a snowmobile be? Even if we do find the survivors, if there isn't any snow for it to run on. There'll be plenty of snow, Mr. Busby said, and ice too, because we're going so far north. It may be that the missing plane is down somewhere on the North Polar Ice Pack. That's a huge mass of drifting ice, several million square miles large, that occupies the Arctic Ocean. Now you'd better try to get some sleep again, Miss Pickerel. When Miss Pickerel awoke the next time, Mr. Busby had just poured some hot soup from the thermos bottle. He offered it to Miss Pickerel, together with a package of sandwiches wrapped in wax paper. You've been asleep a long time, Miss Pickerel, he said. You must be hungry. How far have we come? Miss Pickerel asked. The food tasted very good. You'll be surprised to learn, Miss Pickerel, that we're almost reached the Arctic Circle. Already? Miss Pickerel couldn't believe it. But Foster's still piloting, she said. Foster and I have changed places twice already, Mr. Busby said. You slept right through. When Miss Pickerel started to stand up to stretch her legs, she knew this must be true because her whole body felt so stiff. Foster shouted something to them over his shoulder. Come on, Mr. Busby said. We've just flying over the Arctic Circle. Oh, how exciting, Miss Pickerel said. She knew, of course, that she couldn't see the Arctic Circle, that it is just a line on a map, but it was thrilling to know that she had actually reached the Arctic regions. Mr. Busby steadied her elbow as they went forward and looked out over Foster's shoulder. I don't know just what I expected, Miss Pickerel said, but I didn't know the Arctic looked like this. Foster spoke up. That's the tundra, he said. 
But it's so bare and flat and sort of greenish yellow, Miss Pickerel said, and nothing growing, no trees. There's plenty growing, Foster said. If we were down there, we'd see all kinds of beautiful flowers and millions of birds, insects too, especially mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, Miss Pickerel exclaimed, in the Arctic? This time of year, for a few weeks, Foster said, mosquitoes are worse in the Arctic than they are anywhere in the world. Forevermore, said Miss Pickerel. There are an awful lot of little lakes, aren't there? Yes, said Foster, and the ground down there is pretty spongy and soft from all the melted snow. The melted snow water can't soak down through the ground because of the permafrost. Does permafrost mean what it sounds like? Miss Pickerel asked. Does it mean something that is permanently frozen? Foster said, yes, the ground in the Arctic is permanently frozen. Every summer the top layer thaws out, although sometimes at night it freezes over again. But farther down the soil never thaws out. It's the permanently frozen layer of the earth that's called the permafrost. Foster turned his head towards Mr. Busby. I think, Mr. Busby, he said, that when we stop to refuel, we'd better change our landing wheels to the floats that we brought with us, just to be on the safe side. If we did get forced down for any reason, we could land on one of the little lakes if we had floats. But the ground is too spongy for us to be able to land on wheels. Just as you say, Foster, Mr. Busby said. You're the bush pilot. You're the one who has had the Arctic experience. There's a place about half an hour from here, Foster said, where I arranged to have some fuel cached. That was last week when I thought I'd be piloting the weather expedition. It's the one place around here where the ground is fairly hard and level. I don't think I'll have any difficulty landing here with wheels, and at least I never have before. Miss Pickerel became aware of something that had been bothering her. It seemed rude to mention it, but she thought she'd better. I'm afraid, Foster, she said, that we're off course. We aren't going north. Oh, yes, we are, said Mr. Busby. No, Miss Pickerel said. She pointed to the sun, low in the sky ahead of them. We're going west. It seems so, because we're so far north now, Miss Pickerel, Foster explained. But... It isn't sunset. It's almost midnight. From up here, the rotation of the earth makes it seem as though the sun is going all the way around the horizon. In the winter, of course, the sun goes all the way around below the horizon, and it stays dark for several months. Oh, said Miss Pickerel. She was trying to figure this out when Mr. Foster spoke again to Mr. Busby. Our next fueling stop, Foster said, We'll be at an Arctic air base. We'll find out there whether anybody has found the missing plane yet. Miss Pickerel's thoughts came back to the men of the lost expedition. She hoped the plane had landed safely somewhere. She hoped everybody had survived the expedition. She hoped they would be found before it was too late. She thought of something. Mr. Busby, she said, didn't you say that the snowmobile has a shortwave radio? Do you know how to operate it? Naturally, Mr. Busby said. I'm a sales engineer. I was thinking about that too, Miss Pickerel. The only thing is, to get inside the snowmobile now, I'd have to disturb the way it's lashed to the pallet with a cargo parachute attached. 
I think it would be better to leave things just as they are in case we have to drop the vehicle to the survivors. And anyway, said Foster, we're still a long distance from where the plane has disappeared. We're too far away to hear them even if they are sending out distress signals. We're too far from anybody. Nearest Arctic air base is still a hundred miles away. A few minutes later, Foster brought the plane down smoothly and without incident on a flat area of smooth rock that sloped gently out into the small lake.